Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday, and that's when my man Patrick, the idillionaire, he takes jams, uh, certain selections that provide clues and hints to Harge and I uh, as to what the new theme of the day is. And thanks to the Specs text line, 512-337-3776, we got it pretty quickly. Well, y'all got it. Pretty quickly, we appreciate y'all. It was uh, Chris appreciate Cornell, <laughs> Chris Cornell's uh, birthday. It would have been Chris Cornell's birthday. Um, so, my man Patrick and a lot of y'all out there who are huge fans are celebrating that today. That is the new theme of the day. Yes, and oh. this is third band will play Temple of the Dog. Man, how many bands was he in? So this was kind of like a super group band of grunge bands. They kind of had a, a couple grunge bands get together and okay. did this. They like one album is Temple of the Dog. Uh, okay, he was in a lot of different bands though. He already stuff. played three different bands he yeah. was in. A, My man got around. Yeah. Spread the love. Spread the love. Yeah, everybody knew, everybody wanted a piece of his greatness, apparently. I uh, am uh, glad that the listeners found this out for me because <laughs> your boy is still searching for a song that he knows. I like this one, though. That was smooth. What yeah, is this Say again? Hello to Heaven. What is it? Say, say Hello, hello to, to Heaven. heaven. Alright, I'm gonna write that down. And so that's Temple of the Dog had two singers. It was Chris Cornell and then Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Oh Ooh, yeah. Okay. And so then have you ever if you ever heard the song uh Hunger Strike, which is I'm going hungry. Mm. And anyway, he says I'm going hungry, and then it's Eddie Vedder singing that, and then Chris Cornell's singing the echo of it, which nice. it, it's impressive because it's two of the biggest grunge singers. That's fantastic. That yeah, that's a nice jam though. I like that, like that groove. All right, I always said if, if I don't have any uh, I'll, I'll admit I don't have any Chris Cornell in my phone. I should leave here today. If if Patrick does his job, I should leave here today with at least one Chris Cornell jam on my phone. <laughs> that might be it right there. That no, might be it. it. That might be one of them. Uh, so thanks to the idea, you know, we appreciate his efforts. 512-337-3776. That is the number to the Specs text line. You can always use that or use the Twitterverse. The Specs text line is back up. Use the Twitterverse. Hard, hard is that hardball, hard is the Twitterverse. And my man Patrick Davis said, it's Patrick Davis and I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. All right, Harge, what you got coming up for the people on Harge Knock Life? We've been talking a lot of baseball. Obviously, Shohei Otani is one of the biggest stories in baseball. But I want to shine the light on my man Ronald Acuna Jr. Please do. And give him a little bit of his flowers today. So we'll talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. and the feat that he may be on track to getting to. I think he's going to get it. I do too. And the rules, obviously rule changes have helped him. For sure. Yes. I mean, For that's, sure. Let's be honest. That's the reason that and he can accomplish this feat. And health. And health. No, he's he's amazing. But this is what the rule changes were designed to do. Yep. To help athletes like this bring speed back to the game. Which are, what I was I saying the entire time? You said, I it. said no, you said it. This is what you I've been this. missing. You predicted. You said they're gonna they're gonna steal more bases than yep. they have. I think they're on, I think it's, it's it's right now they're on record setting bases. They are on record setting to bases. To steal uh, as many bases as they ever have in the history yep. of Major League Baseball. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's gonna be fun. Stuff coming to yep. Harsh Knock Life uh, in about 15 minutes. Uh, we get ready for Harsh Knock Life. All right, let's get to these offensive line rankings from Pro Football Focus. They do their O line rankings, and um, I, I, you know, and I think they have had different uh, people that work for them. So they have different analysts that have done offensive line rankings. So I'll point that out, too, just in case you're like, hey, that's not the one that I saw. Just so you know, they got different people doing a lot of stuff. That's why Hart does not like Pro Football Focus. <laughs> <laughs> I just like have my discrepancy. Yeah, yes, there you go. They, they're very inconsistent. And I think it's because they got too many different cooks in the kitchen sometimes. They, they got a lot of people doing stuff, and I don't think they run it through the same like channels or editor. They just kind of all put out content. And, mm-hmm. yes, there are some inconsistencies. I will throw it out there. So this one, this offensive line ranking, this is by Max Chadwick. 
So just in case you've seen one other, this is by him. You're like, hey, they had him number number five in this one. Not yep. again, I get it. It's pro football focus. It is what it is. Uh, okay, so number one on this list, they got Michigan best O-line in all uh, football. You know what? And honestly, you got to get – that's Jim Harbaugh football. Jim that's, Harbaugh that's was play, he is. He wants to play bully ball. Yep. That's what Jim Harbaugh's always been about, playing bully ball. And it makes sense that now he's got the best O-line in the country because he would build to that. That would be a priority, something he would emphasize. Mm-hmm. Number two – well, the national champions, the defending national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs. That makes sense, too. Mm-hmm. They some, they a bunch of grown men. Uh, number three, Oregon State Beavers. How about that? Oregon State? Yes, yeah, his Oregon State's offensive line earned the best run-blocking grade and the third highest overall grade in the nation last year, and the Beavers returned four starters from that unit. Okay. Damn good group. Yeah. Uh, Taliese Fuaga. Is one of the ten best tackles in college football. Damn, I like saying that name. I was just Tali about to Yese say Fuaga. You said that like you wanted to say it. You know what I'm saying? Like it was one of those. It was like, man, I can't wait till I get to use that on the air. Oh, I would yeah. Craig Way would be salivating over <laughs> using that. Tell you say Fuaga. Uh, anyway, yeah. So apparently he's one of the best tackles in college football, uh, and he'll be holding it down for them. One of their anchors, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. They got number four, and Longhorns will see them week two. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says that uh, they have one of the, the, the fourth best O-lines in the country. Um, and USC is number five on this list. And number six, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Also doesn't surprise me. The number seven team, that's what we want to get to. Ahead of LSU at number eight. And ahead of the, ahead of the Aggies. So shout out to the Aggies getting some love here. here. They're number nine on this list. Jimbo's been recruiting like gangbusters, so that does make sense. And they got Florida State at 10. But ahead of those teams, you got the Longhorns at number seven on this list. Says Texas is the only school on this list that returns all five starters from a year ago. However, it was a unit that uh, finished at 73rd in the country last season in pro football focus grade. So improvements are needed. There are bright spots, though, particularly at offensive tackle. Kelvin Banks Jr. is a top 10 tackle in the country and was stellar as a true freshman in 2022. Uh, Also, it brings up uh, Jake Majors and Christian Jones, as Christian Jones will once again start at right tackle and finish third among Big 12 tackles last year with 2.7% pressure rate allowed. Um, And also gives some love to Hayden Connor and Jake Majors and Cole Hudson. It brings up DJ Campbell, the five-star recruit they brought in, um, and some other guys. But we talked about this. Texas returning every starter on the O-line and two or three of the prospects behind those returning starters. And I believe Texas returning, they return 101 starts on the O-line. K-State's the only Big 12 team that's returning more starts on the O-line. They return 119 starts on the O-line. And the the upside of the guys who are backing up those returning starters is actually higher mm-hmm. than most other returning starters except for Kelvin Banks, who is... A prodigy in um, in every way you can state the term. He is the epitome of it. You know what? This is the same group of people that didn't have him on the first team. Remember that? <laughs> and you know who else is not on this list? <sighs> you know who else is not in the top ten? I didn't see K-State on there. K-State's got a good old line. But I didn't see him. Yeah, they got a good old you line, the, too. They the one who put this together. They, they the well, ones who did honestly, it. Honestly, West Virginia's O-line should have been there. Exactly. They got three members on the preseason All-Big 12 team. See there? <laughs> See there? Uh, apparently those other two are awful. I throw it out there. I know you can really pick it apart, which Harge does all the time. They're, well, the reason being is because you sit there and they give you yes, all this stuff are. about – 
Oh, man, look at what Calvin Bryant. He is a top 10 tackle in the country. In the country. After a stellar performance. His 3.5% pressure rate. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, come on, man. And they guess they didn't look at the players he was going up against when you talked about all the first-round picks that he didn't let have a sack. Yep. Barely let him have a pressure. Uh, four pressures between the four combined between the four first round defensive edge rushers that Kelvin Banks, the true freshman, faced last year, who were drafted into the NFL. That's why your boy get a little bit yeah. mad. Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Will McDonald, and um, Ume Uzoka. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uzoka what is it, right? Indike. Indike. And, and UDK. And UDK. Yeah. Yep. Uzoma. Yeah, he's yeah. now getting. He's in camp already. Felix and UDK Uzoma with Kansas City. But yeah. my man Kelvin Banks still mm-hmm. holding it down. No can't penalties. even be on the first. No penalties either. Can't even be on the first team on Pro Football yeah. Focus. But they want to talk about how good our line is. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, so we talk about offensive <laughs> line play. Um, CJ Vogel, who you brought on, oh, love Football Brainiacs, does a great job. He's awesome. Yep. Um, he actually, I love. He he did a breakdown of big humans. Yes. That was outstanding. Uh, wasn't it great? That was outstanding. It really was. So I want to get into it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to follow CJ, he's worth a follow if you're a Longhorn football fan. At CJ Vogel, V-O-G-E-L mm-hmm. underscore TFB. The TFB stands for uh, the Football Brainiacs. Uh, so you can go check that out. He does really good work. So he did. I guess it kind of, and he, he was he, on with us not too long yes. ago. So go back and find that on the mm-hmm. podcast page as well. Yeah, and he doesn't call it this, but I'm calling it his big humans breakdown. He he basically his title is who has the beef. Yep. Um. So he makes a chart of all the teams in the Big Twelve in the new look Big Twelve this year, and how many uh players on their roster are above or at least 320 pounds. Yep. 320 pounds or more. And then he goes down the list between 320, 329, and though how many you have on your roster between 330 and 339, 340, 349, and then he goes 350 plus, how many guys. So we'll just, I won't go through all those categories. We'll just pay attention to how many players on each roster who are 320 plus pounds and how many players on each roster who are 350 plus pounds. Uh, CJ Vogel does a good job, so go check it out at CJ Vogel underscore TFB. So Texas, big humans. We know Sark is into big humans. Uh, according to uh, this research, Texas has nine big humans who have who are up, uh, at least 320 pounds or more on their roster. That is That is big massive. humans. That yeah. does lead the Big 12, according to this research. Uh, second, Kansas and TCU with seven. Which is such players. Yeah, I was like, Kansas. Huh, Kansas. Bringing the beef, man. Hey, he's ready. Uh, there you go. I love Lance, Mr. Lance Lee yeah. Paul. He is, he, he's yeah. like, we got to get big too then. Yeah, he's getting big quick around there. Uh, you're bringing the girth for Kansas. Uh, this is a ro- This is players on each Big 12 roster who are at least 320 pounds or more. Uh, Texas has nine. Kansas, TCU with seven. Oklahoma State with six. So they got some girth there. Mm-hmm. Uh, K-State, that's five. They're, they might be considered the best O-line, and one of the best O-lines in all of the Big 12. I'm with you uh, on that, Harge. Uh, U of H, Iowa State, UCF with four. Um, Oklahoma Tech, Cincinnati, BYU with three. Uh, West Virginia with two. Baylor with zero. That's, that's the one that's that is wild. really, really troubling. If you think about it. That's crazy. It is. How is that possible? I mean, especially in this day and age, you can't get one of them? I Yeah, that is hard. That's hard to believe, actually. That is crazy. That's great research by my man, TJ Vogue. I'm really, my, my, that's dumbfounding that they don't have one player that's at least 320 pounds. That has got to be done intentionally. 
But that's, I got to. That's but premeditated, I want, but bro. I, it has to be. That's premeditated for that to happen. Because not only does that mean you're recruiting guys who are slimmer and, you know, at, at those positions, but also once they get into your nutrition program, your, no your dietitian, whatever, your strength and condition, you're keeping them slim. You're yep. keeping them trim. You yep. don't want them to balloon. You don't want them to get bigger. In Texas, the opposite. Texas is like, no, we're recruiting big humans, and we want to add more and more weight to them, keep, keep them athletic, but we want extra big humans. Right. It's um, kind of weird. Yeah, no, no, it just, I'm just, and, and I love the Texas, too. All 320 ain't good 320. Trust me, we, I agree with that. We've seen that this before. This don't necessarily mean you go. Matter of fact, the next chart, I think, is very telling. It don't, and this is from my man Nash, uh, Nash Talk Texas. He did it in essentially projecting Texas into the SEC. Um, so he basically took Texas and Oklahoma and, and took the rosters from the SEC for 2023 and then decided to compare the big humans. Right. Um, he did his own experiment inspired by C.J. Vogel's research. And what he found, looking at players on rosters who are at least 320 pounds, like I said, and I agree with the text to Austin Frog, all 320 ain't good 320. Right. <laughs> um, Florida, s- 17. People that are 320. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. It, what? That's crazy. Yeah. That's unbelievable. That's, that's like you said, those that's are big humans. Stupid. But what um, can they do with it? He says A&M has 15. So A&M's got a lot of big humans, too. Wow. Um, based on this research, uh, he says Georgia's got 10. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Tennessee's got 13. So back it up. Tennessee with 13. Mm-hmm. Georgia with 10. Bama and, Texas. and then you'll throw Bama, Vandy, and Texas with yeah. 9. Uh, Auburn, Missouri with 8. Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas with 7. Kentucky with 6. South Carolina and Oklahoma with 3. And I believe that's where it ends. So, yeah, Sarkey is into big humans, and he has the biggest humans in all the Big 12. But once you go to the SEC, Texas big humans puts you, you're still You're in the middle of the pack. You're closer to being in the middle of the pack than you are to being the top of that list. And by the way, it doesn't mean that, you know, by, by the way, Georgia is the defending back-to-back national champion. And, hell, they're behind three or four teams in the, in the SEC, too. And who won the Big 12 last year? K-State. And K-State's in the middle of the pack when it comes to those numbers in the Big 12. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I'm just saying, keeping track of Sark's methodology and his thought process, um, he believe, his philosophy is he believes in big humans. And you can that's just kind of a, another way to track his big human experiment. Yeah. He's and speaking big of big humans, you, you were talking about it, all those that are 320-plus, but there's also 350-plus. And yes. if you're looking at the SEC – Alabama has two that are 350-plus, Arkansas two. Going back to what you said about uh, Florida with 17 big humans, but seven of them are 350-plus. That's crazy. Texas has four of those players. Yeah, Texas crazy. has four players that are 350-plus. So that'll put you in a different range, and that's why we heard from Sark every single time he got a chance to speak. He said, we're going to the SEC, so we have to get big humans like that. They want girth We're trying to be like you when he was doing his interview with the uh, mm-hmm. Pivot podcast. So, yeah, yeah I'm with that. Uh, I am, too. No, I mean, as long as they are actually athletic enough <laughs> right, yep. to execute the technique and the fundamentals, get as big as you want. You can tell. He, Sark wants, there's, a, there's a certain part of Sark as a coach that wants to play bully ball. Yes. He, he, he wants to push – you know, he wants to be able to push teams around when he wants to dictate the tempo of the game. And I know Texas has a lot of skill talent this year, probably some of the best skill talent in the country. If you look at, 
Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders, and then you look at A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nayor and Jay Witt. They're loaded there. Uh, but, man, they're also loaded on the O-line. Yes. They're stacked on the O-line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but guys, they're returning all their starters from last year. Mm-hmm. And we just said they got, what, two or three guys. What are you talking about, Campbell or, um, man, what's his name? The Williams. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cameron Williams. Williams. I mean, yep. that, it's like three or four of those guys yep. that have really high upsides who are backing up the starters. And Christian Jones is the only senior. Correct. Correct. And he was somebody that you thought you were going to lose. You did. You thought he wasn't even going to be there. So, yeah. And they've been, like you said, they've been going after it and going to get some guys that Peyton Kirkland is a huge human being that they just got. Yeah. They got three of those guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's Jaden Chapman, another big boy. So they're bringing them in. Shout out to the Pancake Factory. BMDs. Yeah, they, know, they want some of that. Mm-hmm. Once with heart, man. Shout out. It's <laughs> definitely an incentive that's working. Uh, okay, uh, before we get to Harsh Knock Life, which we got coming up, uh, I want to get to this Caden Stearns yep. uh, tweet. Did you see this? All the smoke, baby. Was, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I just thought it was interesting. And shout yeah. out to my man CB because he brought it to my attention. I went and saw it and looked at it and he came across my timeline. Mm-hmm. So, Kate Stearns at C Stern 70 underscore 7, I believe it is. Uh, the you know lifetime Longhorn on the 40 Acres who's now playing for the Denver Broncos. He was responding to a question from our man Doc uh, Texas um, mm-hmm. because who does great work too. I mean, he's uh, probably at this point, Longhorn fans, he's probably one of the favorite follows. Uh, for Longhorn fans out there. And he's also underscore, Doc underscore Texas, I should say. So um, basically he's responding to a question from my man Doc underscore Texas, who had a better freshman season between Caden Stearns and Xavier Worthy. He's just throwing it out there. It's yep. just, you know, consumption for the public, public discourse. But he does a good job of, and Caden Stearns responded saying, I'd say X for show. He said FS. Mm-hmm. Um, he broke all types of records, if I'm being honest. I still live in a world of regret for not playing how I should have at Texas. And he went on to (laughs) respond to that later and said, with that said, dot, dot, give me a better coaching and strength staff when I'm there. And I would have had a field day with an uh, emoji that's blowing some smoke. Yeah. 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 Like, take that. Take that. I guess a shot at Tom Herman and and the staff. Yancey McKnight. Mm. Yeah, we need to have another con- like. Hey, he Doc said we need to have another conversation about Yancey. Injuries were way above average. Yeah, that happened at Texas before him, yeah, before Tom Herman. Yeah, that was a lot of injuries at a higher rate. I agree, uh, but that's a good point. I, I will say this about Caden Stearns: it was a a tragedy was. <laughs> that he had one of the greatest freshman seasons in the history of Texas football. And and on and just got and just regressed. Yeah, I don't want to say get worse because he was still a good player, but he regressed because he could never even come close to that, or even consistently be what he was his freshman year. And that was an, a huge indictment on the developmental lack thereof for Tom Herman. It's like that right. guy. Came, so that guy came in in high school was a better player coming out of high school than he was, <laughs> he was when he left the Forty Acres right. and now in the NFL he's Not a good, a good player look. again. Oh, yeah, so a, balling in so Denver. So he's a great player coming out of high school and his freshman year in Texas when he's basically getting any, barely any development or the development of high school coaches. And now in the NFL when everything's about coaching, he's, he's a great player, a good player again. And here at Texas, 
basically he started to regress the entire time? Man, I saw so many people that were that were turning on him during his time here, and I'm like, y'all have no idea what's going on with Caden Stearns. Like this kid was an absolute baller his freshman year. It was it, it was a record setting. It was one of the greatest year. seasons in the history yeah. of Texas football for any freshman. Ever, yeah. Like you know, Kelvin Banks' season has been all epic. It was in that frame. It, yes. was, in, it was in the same yep. realm of Kelvin Banks. The truth is, I'll give you a stat. Here's a stat about how great uh, Caden Stern's season was. There have been, and Caden Stern's is one of these, right? There have been three, three players that I can find who were first team All Conference from Texas as. True freshman. It's just three of them. Caden Stearns is one of mm-hmm. these to become a first team all conference player after a true freshman season, balling out. Who are the other ones? Earl Campbell and Xavier Worthy. <laughs> Xavier Worthy in, in 2021. Rarified Aaron. He did in 2021. Yeah. His first team all conference. Kelvin Banks should have did it. Yeah, Kelvin Banks. Kelvin Banks should have did it last year. They didn't. They they it was hating on. They him. shafted on him. Yeah, yeah they, they they have. Really, yeah. So sorry about that, Kelvin Banks. And honestly, Bijan probably should have done it too. But Tom Herman didn't want to give Bijan the rock. Yeah. As a freshman, if, B, if Bijan would have gotten the rock early as a freshman, Bijan probably could have done. We it. We could have said the same thing about um, said B. Yeah, agreed. You I know? remember that. Yep. Yeah. Very similar. Yep. Could have said the same thing about said B. All right, uh, what you got coming up on Hard Knock Life? We're going to give a special shout-out to one Ronald Acuna Jr., the guy that is more exciting every single day, and he's just not really getting all the love he deserves just yet, but I think it's right around the corner. Oh, all right, can't wait to get into that discussion. Hardball with my man Hardball coming up next on uh, Hard Knock Life right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks, but in front of your own speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. It's your boy Harbaugh Harge, and our new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie is Chris Cornell, former lead singer of multiple bands. Yes. And today, Patrick has given his tribute uh, to all of his great music. You can follow me on Twitter at Hardball Hard. You can follow my man Rob Babers at Rob Babers. And, of course, you can follow the man behind the glass at It's Patrick Davis. We also love it when you're a part of the show, so keep hitting us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. And, you know, obviously this is the middle of baseball season. We've already had the all-star break. Now we're heading down the home stretch. Uh, August the 1st, <clears throat> multiple reasons August the 1st, but August the 1st <laughs> is the trade deadline. And um, yeah, it's ironic it's the trade deadline. A lot of deadlines, lot of deadlines that are being met on that day. But there are so many different storylines in baseball, and obviously Shohei Otani has been the biggest conversation, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy is putting up ridiculous numbers, pitching and hitting, and we got a chance to talk to my boy Marcus Timms, who's a batting coach for the Los Angeles Angels, and he was just talking about what Shohei does every day, what he brings to the to the table every day. And so 
every team would be right to go after him. A team that may be uh, looking at him as well is one, the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves also feature one of the most exciting players in the game. He's a young player. He's 25 years old. He's from Venezuela. He made his major league debut August the 25th, 2018, at 20 years old. And he is uh, a very excitable player. We had our buddy Chipper Jones on on with Mm -hmm. us. Chipper Jones is on his way or just landed in uh, uh, Cooperstown because it's big Hall of Fame weekend uh, this weekend. So Chipper and his wife took the trip up there. But he's been on these airways with us and talked to us about Ronald Acuna Jr. and talked about the talent that he uh, has because he gets a chance to work with them mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, he's a rookie of the year. He's a four-time All-Star. He's two-time uh, Silver Slugger Award winner. He can play a great outfield. He's got power at the top of that lineup, but he also steals bags. He's he's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't really talk about Ronald Acuna Jr. And Ronald Acuna Jr. right now is on pace to be – a 40-40 baseball player right now. That means you get 40 home runs and 40 stolen bases. And it is fun to watch because there's only been four of them in Major League Baseball history. Jose Canseco was the first one. Hmm. 1988 with the Oakland A's. He stole 40 bags and hit 40 bombs. And it was something because he was so big. You were just looking at Conseco like, dang, I didn't even know he got down like that. Well, yeah. you, well, now we know why. Yeah, we know why. <laughs> now, the next one, same thing. 1996, San Francisco Giants, Barry Bonds, who mm. was a great player, gold glove outfielder even. But he was one of them. Alex Rodriguez, another one in 1998. And the last to do it was Alfonso Suriano of the Washington Nationals. Alfonso Suriano, who, if you've ever seen him, he was fun to watch, too. He came up in the Yankees organization. He was playing second base with Jeter up the middle, swinging a humongous bat. And it just didn't look right. But And Texas Rangers got a chance to see Alfonso Suriano a lot as well. But he was the last one. Alfonso Suriano, 2006, with the Washington Nationals, was the last one. As of right now, he is on pace. For 43, oh, he has 43 steals and 23 home runs hmm. up until just recently. He is on pace for 41 home runs and an incredible 77 stolen bases. That's, that's unbelievable. And this, this will be the first player, if he can do this, he can be the first player with at least 40 home runs and at least 50 bags. He will become the first player to ever be at that. The closest that anyone has ever been at. So nobody's ever did 40-50. Nobody's done 40-50. Wow. The okay. only person that has been close to it was A-Rod. He, <laughs> was, he had 46. He had 46 steals. Okay, so, man, this, this is really crazy. So how many guys did, have done the 40-40? Just four, four, four. Just four. Four have done the 40-40. Yep. And two of them were suspected of doing steroids. Or exactly. Been, you know, in that uh, suspicion. And then you said the only 40-50 is? It, the potential. Potential. Potential would be Ronald Acuna Jr. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That, so it's some superhuman stuff going on. There is definitely like, some superhuman stuff. The guys who, the, the other, half the guys who have approached this were doing it with some help. With some A lot of help. Performance enhancing potentially <laughs> going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not saying they weren't great players, but to do this, to have these this type of statistical criteria and meet it shows that you have a unique combination of power and speed. No doubt. And, yeah. and, and a solid work ethic where, as people will say, but maybe he's juicing. He's not, in today's game, there's way better research of how you can do things legally and things that fit into the rules where you can, you know, just diet and exercise is completely different than it was 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Right. When these guys was like, hey, we want to hit the ball farther, take steroids. Like, well, actually, steroids can hurt you in certain other things. So we're going to get you in and we're going to do plyometrics and we're going to do these other things and get your hand-eye coordination and have all these different things to get you. And it's just a lot of hard work with the talent level already there to be able to pull off something like that. And the texters are correct. Three of them were um, on suspicious. Because remember, A-Rod is part of Balco as well. Canseco. Because remember, A-Rod was the, I mean, yeah. uh, Jose Canseco was the one that was yeah. telling on A-Rod. So it was three of the four. All three of, yeah, three of the four. So it was like, it's a superhuman stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they got to be a superhuman to get all that strength. That's crazy. But you sit there and you look at what's going on in the pace that he's on to become that type of player. And he's hitting over 300. That's the other part of this. He's over. He's hitting over 300. He's the table setter for this team, and he continues to play a great outfield. The only problem that you had before where a lot of people saw the talent but didn't truly see as much as they could is because in 20, um, 2020 and 2021, he only played combined 120, 128 games wow. combined in those two seasons because he kept getting hurt. And that was the other part of it. Now he's healthy. And I told you this at the very beginning when I got to spring training. I saw those bases. I saw that the pitchers could only throw over twice. I said, this is about to happen where somebody's about to get a lot of stolen bases. Mm -hmm. It was going to change the game. And that's the most exciting part of the game to me because it puts pressure on everybody. Yeah. You got to make everything work. You got to get a good jump. The catcher's got to get a good transfer and a good strong throw, and they got to put a tag down. It is fun to watch the game of baseball when you have guys like this. And I just hope that if you're not a Braves fan and you don't care about any of this stuff, take take the moment. Take the mm-hmm. moment to watch what you're seeing with this guy because he is an amazing Amazing player that's playing on an amazing team. I would say which, the team, which might even yeah. might even get better if they they jump into that show. Hey, Otani sweepstakes. Man, honestly, like I said, if the Braves on television make them must watch television because oh, yeah. and right, you won't have to wait long to be entertained. No, the first inning. I, we, I gave this stat yesterday. They uh, they have the most runs, home runs, hits. In the first inning of any team in Major League Baseball, as a matter of fact, they're so prolific in the first inning that they have the they have more runs, home runs, and hits in the first inning than any team has in any inning in all of Major League Baseball. <laughs> so no no team in any inning is more prolific than the Braves are in the first inning. Yes, it is awesome. So their run differential also is is crazy. I think the all, the second team, or at least the team that is second in run differential, is like. Twenty something behind them. Yeah, twenty runs. They behind are them. they are so much fun <laughs> to watch. And I know a lot of people are like, "Man, it's the middle of the summer. And I don't like watching baseball." The game has changed. Remember, games are getting shorter and shorter oh, every yeah. week. The runs are going up, so you're going to see scoring. Mm-hmm. 
and the type of quality of player that you're starting to see is something to to remember. We we haven't even I haven't even really got into the De La Cruz conversation about that mm-hmm. young man in Cincinnati either. Another player that you need to pay attention to. He's been clocked at 99 miles an hour today on a relay throw to home plate. Mm. He got a play in the hole two nights ago. He threw it across 97 miles an hour. And this dude is 6'6", playing third base, who's a shortstop as well. So they're bringing up some of these guys that it is – it's really exciting to watch these players play. So if you get time to watch Ronald Acuna Jr., we, we told you that numerous times. We've had Chipper Jones on mm-hmm. talking about him and how you he said it. You never know what you're going to see from him at the ballpark because it's something new every single day. And you got to give him a shout-out because of that dope necklace that he wore at the All-Star <laughs> uh, game where it had him doing his little uh, flex. It's on my Twitter page because CB already posted it on the Twitter page as well. That's pretty good, too. Um, how about this? Another brave stat. Since they started measuring, which I think 2015 is when they started measuring, no Major League Baseball team has hit more than 19, 450-plus feet home runs in one season. Atlanta has 19 already. And they're not – hey. We ain't done yet. They already got 19 <laughs> home runs that have gone 450, at least 450 feet or mm-hmm. more. And that is tying the record uh, yeah. since they started keeping track. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to end up seeing it, and it's going to continue to, to um, astound you because they do so many good things. They do so many good things, and they're a good team. So pay attention to the Braves. Uh, obviously, you're paying attention to the Texas Rangers, the Houston Astros. Mm. Ghost draws. There it is. I was waiting. Sorry, about that. Sorry about that. I was down. I was like, oh, oh, oh. you're Not paying bad. attention to My your bad. favorite team. But if you get an opportunity, make sure you check out the Atlanta Braves. They are much must watch TV. Oh, if you don't want, if you don't pay attention to them now, don't worry. When the postseason yep. starts, you'll up, see them. You're gonna see them because yep. uh, they ain't going nowhere. I got a feeling they're gonna be making a like run in the postseason. They're going deep into the postseason, man. No like, not, not a lot of teams can match up and beat them Braves. Just uh, considering how ro- that roster and that lineup. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we come back. We'll get into a little off the record on the other side. Uh, the city of Austin. We know the city of Austin is one of the most popular cities in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read, though, a new study about the, um, the I would say, the high value, uh, top-notch value of the housing market here in Austin. You may be shocked by some of these numbers. We'll get into that off the record right here on Ball Don't Lie, 1049 The Horn. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a brain bag comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Um, I got this story from uh, Culture Map Austin, so shout out to them. It is a real estate marketplace study research done by Point Two. Uh, so this is based on their report. They did a report about luxury real estate listings, luxury listings. 
and they define a luxury listing is listings for homes over worth over a million dollars, which you know means you're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, 24.7% of all real estate listings in Austin are worth over a million dollars. How many percent? 24.7%, basically a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. Exactly. I think everybody's like, oh, <laughs> if, like, like everybody what? feels the same way. Yeah, twenty-four <laughs> points. Basically, twenty-five percent of all real estate listings in Austin oh my are homes worth over a million dollars, according to this new study. Uh, the report by online real estate marketplace experts point two ranks Austin number ten nationwide among U.S. cities with the highest share of luxury homes. Austin uh, ranks number one in Texas, uh, with Dallas and Houston right behind. Wow. Yeah. Dallas is at 22%. So you got more. You're still in the mix. You got more luxury yeah. listings than Dallas. Wow. Houston's got 11.4%. They're 18. Dallas is at 12. Uh, Fort Worth. See, Dallas, to me, that's. I was just about to say, little, do you count a. Yeah, to me, that that does count. It's like the DFW method. Does that count? So, yeah. Austin, I think that does counts. that count? Dripping Springs, does I don't that count? Know. It, that's a great Kyle, question. I'm know, not sure about like that. Kind of like the Fort yeah, Worth. They count the place where there's more land. Yeah. Because that'll make it more expensive. Yeah, if you throw DFW in there, then that bumps right. up DFW, that, sorry, Fort Worth to the DFW area, then that would be like 25, Correct. close to 26%. Either way, yeah, it's yeah, Austin. Don't right? matter. That's still a lot it's of numbers. Lot, like you said, over a quarter San percent. San Antonio's at 2.9% and El Paso. Shout out El Paso. 1.8%. That's uh, number 29. So there you go. Mm. Right now, Austin has more luxury listings, ho- homes, real estate listings, uh, over a, a million dollars. I'm trying to see if that was mine. Than any other city in the state. Uh. Yeah. Wow. Um, if you look at top 10 largest cities in the U.S. with the highest shares of luxury real estate listings worth over $5 million, you're talking about big bank, big bank, tank, low bank mm-hmm. type stuff. Um, Austin's number nine, 1.5% their listings wow. worth over $5 million. Um, LA's number one, of course, 11.6%. Boston's number two, 9.4%. San Diego, three. New York, four. San Francisco, five. Washington, D.C., six. Seattle, seven. Dallas, eight. There you go. Interesting. Should make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. You live in a city that's very affluent. It's a lot of, uh, of big timers. That's, that's why I have to be outside of the city because I can't be in the city. There's <laughs> 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 a uh, big difference. I live in the city technically, but I can't move now. So, yeah. So I, if I do, <laughs> I sell think we've the house, all thought about it. If right? I sell the home, I won't be able to afford to live in the city anymore. I have to move outside of the city. Uh, how many of these million dollar houses do you think are just like <laughs> lipstick on a pig? Uh, yeah, that's a good question too. That, the that lot just, itself is worth all the well, money. Well, no, that they like paint, like they fix up the house and they make it like it's a luxury house. And you're like, well, does everything work? And like, nah, nah, the pipes are all electricity's gonna fry out. It's a lemon. Like it's 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 all this. We didn't fix any of the actual stuff. We just bought a terrible bought rundown house and put up some new paint and yeah. gave it the landlord special, and then <laughs> gonna charge twice as much. Mm, yeah, uh, it's. Um, I guess I, I don't know the details of it all. I just read the article and thought yeah. it would be pretty interesting. That is interesting to share. Uh, all right, we come back. We'll get into some uh, actually some um, Congress congressional 
legislation, possible congressional possible. legislation uh, relating to NIL. We'll get to that. Also, Greg Sankey disagreeing with the new Texas NIL law. We'll talk about all of that, what it means. Coming up next right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.